Romans 1.16, the words of the Apostle Paul. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. I want to speak to you today on the power of the gospel. You may be seated. We're in a season of praying and planting. We've already spoken about that today. And Brother Drury did a great job reminding you to plant the Word of God, the seed of the Word of God, teach a Bible study, share the good news through your testimony, and pray over people that their eyes would be open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Word of God has power. Amen. But we're not just doing this or saying this so we can add some people to the pews or grow this church. We believe that what we preach, teach, and practice is very powerful. That it is life-changing. That the good news is the very power of God. The word gospel means good news. Paul said, I and not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you made a promise and couldn't deliver, you might be ashamed of what you promised, right? But Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have no trepidation, no worry that what I preach cannot be possessed in the life of a person. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul is a Jew from Tarsus. He's in Rome, the center of civilization at that time, the most powerful city in the world. We were under Roman world dominion. And think about the message that Paul is preaching through the eyes of a Roman citizen. Some unknown Jew by the name of Jesus, suffered a disgraceful death on a cross over in the eastern fringe of the Roman Empire and now his followers are declaring that he was God in human flesh. What an audacious message and ridiculous to the unspiritual, unregenerated mind. But Paul opens his book by saying that he has been separated to this gospel. That God allowed his son, Jesus Christ, to be born of the seed of David according to the flesh. Jesus was born by the lineage of King David. But he is declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. He is not just some descendant of David. He is God in flesh and it is proven by his resurrection from the dead that we just celebrated on Eastern Sunday. Amen. So Paul is not ashamed of this message. No reluctance, no apprehension that what is preached cannot be practiced. It is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. It is the power of God. Now, nobody in Rome needed to hear another lesson about power. Rome knew the meaning of power. 
Rome defined power. The Roman army controlled the better part of the Western world. The Roman navy plied the pacified the Mediterranean Sea. The Roman roads laced together much of then known civilization with this patchwork of, of society. The Latin tongue would soon replace the Greek as the mode of communication in the ancient world. It was Roman currency that measured the scale of values. And Roman justice was the arbiter of what was right and wrong, who would live and who would die. It was Roman power that they knew. But Paul preached a different power than Rome's self-evident power. The gospel of Jesus Christ was something different, amen. It was something that superseded political power or military might. It is the power of God unto salvation. It's not power of state, ideas, movement or technology or progress. It is a power that transcends and stands above every other power. It is a power that cannot be walled out and it cannot be walled in. Paul from prison said that the word of God is not bound. Amen. Paul can preach that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this gospel is the power of God that brings salvation. Amen. The word salvation means rescue. It is a power that brings you out of another power. It delivers you from the power of sin. It breaks the chains of addiction. It is a power that heals from every condition, mental, emotional, physical, or spiritual. Salvation means to rescue. God rescued His people, Israel, out of Egyptian bondage. God rescued His people, Israel, out of Babylonian captivity. But the gospel is something else. It is word that becomes power. Just as Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. They are words like the words of God in the beginning that said, let there be light. And light was not just an idea. Light was literal. Something took place when the word spoke into the blackness of the night. And when the word of the gospel is preached to an empty, desolate, sinful soul, there is life. And there is light that comes where there is only spiritual darkness. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I was raised in church, certainly not perfect. Had my struggles through my teenage years a little bit here and there. But my friends would have called me what back then they would say, you're goody two-shoes. You're one of those good kids raised up in church. The gospel is not just for people who were raised up in church. Jesus is an equal opportunity Savior. It is for the good and for the bad. Amen. This is not about your inclination toward religion. This is about a power that changes you from the inside out. Amen. 
That's why I'm not ashamed to stand here today and boldly declare that the gospel of Jesus Christ can change your life. Paul wrote about it another way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he's dealing with Christian people in a pagan culture and he's telling them that God has called them out and he's dealing with division in the church and carnal people who are living by their old nature. And he begins this change of passage in chapter 6 verse 9 with a list. He gives us a litany of the kinds of behaviors that people possess that will keep them out of the kingdom of God. It's quite a list. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Now I want to stop right there because some people in our culture believe that everybody is going to heaven. Now I know that all dogs go to heaven, but you know, Not all people go to heaven. Some of you think there's a cat heaven, but I believe in the dog heaven. And and I'm kidding in case you don't know. Well, everybody goes to heaven. Just go to any funeral. Everybody goes to heaven. Everybody say, but Paul said, hold on, hold on just a second. There are some people that aren't going to heaven. They're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived by this world that you think you can live any way you want. And at the end, because God is good, he'll just look the other way and invite you in. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that is if the blood of Jesus Christ covers your sin and has made peace between you and God. And there's only one way to make peace with God. That is turning from your sins in repentance. Believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Amen. Being baptized in water in Jesus' name. Being filled with this Holy Spirit that changes you from old to new. That is the power of God unto salvation is implemented through that simple message of repentance, baptism, Holy Spirit. Do not be deceived. Neither, he he gives us a list. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, neither thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Heaven is a pure place reserved for holy people to spend eternity with a God whose nature is holy. And unholy, unrighteous people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Which I want to ask the question, why would you want to go to a place that you never identified with on earth? Why would you want to go to a place that is clean and pure and holy when a person on this earth didn't want any part of that down here? What they're saying, and I'm not saying you, but people, what they're saying is, I want fire insurance. I don't want to go there 
But I wish there could be like here. But heaven is not like here. The Bible says that Christians have their citizenship in heaven and not on the earth. We are pilgrims passing through this land, but our citizenship is in heaven. That's why we act like people who belong there because he changed us to be like him. Amen. He gives us this list. We've already read it. Unrighteous people, fornicators indulging in sexual sin, idolaters worshiping anything other than God, adulterers, people that break their marriage vow and are unfaithful to their spouse, homosexuals in the Greek male prostitutes, sodomites, the practice of homosexuality. And I say that with all loving kindness about the redemption power of God. But no matter what the culture says, the Bible will be true and will prevail in the end. Amen. That doesn't mean to be a hate monger of anybody, but it does mean that sin has always been sin and still is sin in 2016. Just like robbing and stealing is still sin. Thieves, covetous people that are greedy, people that are addicted to substance, the drunkards, revilers, that's abusive people, extortioners, those are the folks that that cheat other people on contracts and not keeping their word and, and always finding a way to cut a corner, extortioners. All that list of people that in their sinful state cannot be citizens of the kingdom of God. Now, right there, you know, if I just stop right there, if Paul would have stopped right there, that would be a little bit of gloomy news. But this is the power of the gospel that Paul could say in verse 11, and such were some of you. You used to be but now you're not. You used to be that, but now you are something different. He said, you used to be like that. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus in baptism and by the Spirit of our God. Amen. We need to understand the power of the gospel that changes a sinner into a saint, that brings you out of darkness and into marvelous light, that transform you from what you were to what you are and what you are becoming. Amen. You used to be, but now you're not. You used to be, but now you're not. How many can say, I am not what I once was? Jesus Christ has changed me by the power of the Spirit. Yeah, once, once you were sexually immoral, but now you're not. Amen. Once you worshiped everything but God, but now you don't. Once you were unfaithful, but now you're not. Once you were bound by perversion, but now you're not. Once you were a thief, but now you're not. The Bible says, let him that stole, steal no more. You've been changed from the inside, so live up to what Jesus Christ did in your life. Once I was, 
but now I'm not. Once I was unholy, separated from God, alienated from Him by my sinful life and my character, everything that was in me was unholy, unrighteous, but such were some of you. Thank God it wasn't reformation. It wasn't a class I attended. Thank God for classes and thank God for behavioral modification. But the gospel is not that. It is not simply trying to clean up the outside. It is a transformation. It is the power of God unto salvation that changes you from the inside out. It washes you. It sanctifies you. It justifies you. Oh, why don't we thank God for the power of the Holy Ghost that brought us out of darkness and into marvelous light. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I'm a little bit excited about this because I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. On Wednesday, I asked our church, the Wednesday mid, midweek attendance, everybody that was here, we had a card in the, the slot in front. I said, I would like for you to just help me out. Help me preach a better sermon Sunday. That's what I said. This says, when the Lord saved me, He delivered me from... And you complete the sentence, please. Don't put any names. You can put how long ago it's been if you want. But just tell me. There are like 63 responses of people that told me confidentially what God delivered them from. It was pretty powerful to me to see that the people that sit on these seats today are not just goody-two-shoe Christian type people. They are people that have experienced the power of the gospel. What they were, they are no longer. Amen. These are all different people. Pride, playing church, the sports world, television, worldliness, smoking, alcohol, drugs, a party lifestyle, gangs, prison, such were some of the people who worship here once they were, but now they're not. Pornography, sexual sins of fornication, diseases of immorality, sexual abuse, unfaithfulness, being a child abuser, an eating disorder. And these are different people. One comment, eating disorders, anorexia, bulimia, Such were some of you. It's not always a behavior that's a sin in the sight of society. Sometimes it is the effect of sin like these. A tormented life. Anger and rage. Suicidal thoughts. All different people. Fear. Depression. Oppression. Disillusion and confusion. Such were some of you, amen, but you have been washed, but you have been sanctified, but you have been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the power, by the spirit of our God. But that's not all. Inferiority, insecurity, 
hopelessness, losing my mind, idolatry, self-hatred, self-righteousness. One person said he delivered me from myself. And you're saying, are you telling me that I'm sitting around people like that? Should I watch my wallet? Take care of my kids and my wife? No, such were some of you. That was before Christ. That's what they were, but they're like that no longer by the power of the Holy Ghost. A lonely, unloved child. A purposeless life. He set me free from guilt, cursing, lying, lust. A lifestyle of broken families. That was one person's background. Chains of bondage. Gambling, such were some of you. One person wrote a little more, told us they were saved from a Muslim background. Said, I'm not perfect now. I have struggles, but the Lord has saved me. I don't regret the things I had to go through to get saved. 15 years ago, still have the past long away in the rearview mirror. It has not sneaked up and dragged them back. Such were some of you. It is a change that lasts a lifetime and an eternity. One person was working in ministry, so they had to email me. They said, God delivered me from an abusive husband. He released me from deep Depression. He healed me from a decade-long battle of anorexia. And then he patiently waited for me to realize it and come back home to him. Can I tell you that I celebrate today a God that can change your life so you can say, once I was, but now I'm not. Such were some of you. One more story. Someone else told us a little more too. They said 20 years ago, I was partying and trying to find something. I was paralyzed on my right side from a football injury. I lost my scholarship and I lost all hope. But my sister invited me to church and I received the Holy Ghost. Two months later, God healed me. Amen. I just want to say that I serve a God who has power to change you from the inside out. He can miraculously deliver you. Once I was, but now I'm not. This people, this church is made up of people just like you, just like are living all around you, working all around you, filled with sin, destroyed by vice. But the message we preach, the seed we plant, will change them from a sinner to a saint. Will bring them out of darkness and into marvelous life. Why don't you just thank God that He is a Savior. He is a Savior. Such were some of you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Why don't we all stand right now and just begin to thank God for the power of salvation that has changed us. Amen. I preach this message for two reasons today. 
First, is I want to encourage every apostolic person who calls this your church home. That you do not need to be ashamed to share your story. The testimony of what God has done for you. You don't need to be shy about telling people that Jesus Christ can deliver them. You don't have to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because when you communicate those words, that seed of the word of God has power to change them. We pray because we believe God opens eyes and God delivers through prayer. And we have this partnership where we stand between God and a sinner when we bring them together through our prayer and through planting the seed of the word of God. I don't want you to ever be ashamed or fear that that person is too bad. But don't we find ourselves kind of pre-qualifying people? So, oh, you know, look at that person. They hold a job. They've got a family. They'd make a great Christian. Well, maybe they are, maybe in name only. Maybe they're just a good citizen. But if I read my Bible right, I see Jesus going to find outright sinners. People who steal, people who have been involved in immorality. Every kind of person. The list that I just read to you today and preached from that Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians 6. That was the church in Corinth. Paul said, look at our congregation. If, why don't you just, you know, I'm just kidding. Why don't you just put beside your name, uh, I was an adulterer. You know, John Doe, thief. Such were some of you. People that were enjoying the freedom of salvation had come out of a wicked pagan world. And we live in a world like that today. And we don't need to be ashamed or afraid that our gospel will not change them. So tell it everywhere you go. The second reason I preach this message is for those of you who need this gospel today. Some of you have been saved, but you've reverted back. The Bible calls it like a, like a dog returned to his vomit or a pig wallowing in the mire or forgetting the pit out of which you were digged. Those are Bible expressions. And you need a brand new experience today and a commitment to the God who saved you to not go back to what you used to be. And maybe you've never been transformed by the power of the gospel. When you ask God to forgive you of your sins, you release God who honors your will. You release God to release His power in your life. And that long list of people, 63 different people, who gave us their conversion story in a word or two. They're all around you today. And they have faith that if it could happen to them, that it could happen to you. You can be one of those people who could say, once I was, but now I'm not. Would you bow your heads and would you pray with me now, lifting up your voice to God and asking God to save your soul. Or if you're saved, would you pray? Would you intercede right now? Take the hand of God. Take the hand of a person in prayer right now. And would you pray that the power of God would deliver someone from the power of sin? And if you need it for yourself, don't be afraid that God cannot do it for you. For it is the power of God to everyone who believes. Jesus, in your name. I pray for lethargic saints that have forgotten the power of your spirit. I pray, Lord God, for those that have gone back to their old life. I pray that they would repent today and be delivered. But I pray especially for the person today.
that has never known the joy of sins forgiven and the power of the Spirit in their life. Jesus, by the power of the Holy Ghost, demonstrate your glory here today. Let someone find that they can be a new creation in Christ Jesus today. I believe you, Lord. And I know that you're going to do it today for a hungry person that in their heart, Lord, they are desperately searching for an answer. They've not found it in treatment. They've not found it in behavioral modification. Psychology has helped, but it has not changed them. Psychiatry, Lord, has not healed them from the inside out. Thank you for what man can do, but we rely on what you alone can do to save us.